Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome to Laurel's Real Money Talks, where we are a podcast. We talk about how to make money, how to keep money, how to invest it, how to do it with the team. And these are not suggestions. We're right. We just know how to make money. We know how to do it right. So every week we come to you live and I bring extraordinary guests to talk about some version of this conversation that really the industrial age, the occupational age has taught you totally wrong. Everything you've taught, you just have to add a delete button and now add a whole new conversation. So Chris Williams is with me today. How long have we known each other and tell them all about you? She's like world-class marketer, sales. Actually, we're very similar, like kind of like sister, you know, spirit. So talk a little bit about your experience and how you got to where you are. You've been around since when? 2000? 2000-ish, at least. Ish. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. So I got my training wheels on when I was nine years old, selling more Girl Scout cookies for three years in a row than anybody else in the Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I didn't know that one. No, a copywriter asked me. They said, "Well, when did you start selling?" And I said, "I don't really know." And they go, "Well, come back and talk to me when you figure that out." So what I know about sales is I didn't sell one box of cookies, not one. And I asked everybody, I'm like, what? And they, I got everybody else to sell all the cookies. So I got grandma and, and then they said, well, of course you did. You gave grandma the cookies and she went to work and sold them. You gave auntie and the neighbor. and it's leverage time. My mom said, she goes, well, that's not all you did. You were nine years old. You were precocious. You came home. You got on the dial phone and you called all of your sales reps and made sure that they were happy campers and you loved on them. Do you need more cookies? How'd it go today? How many did you sell? And she said funny. you did that <laughs> at nine years old. And so that was pretty fun. didn't even know you were going to do that. Didn't even know. That's good. So we're talking about sales, as you can tell. And one of the biggest things we know is people want more customers. And everyone looks to the marketing community for, well, how do I get a lead? If you can get a lead, well done. But what we find also is most leads cannot convert because you don't like to sell the big four-letter word. So Chris and I are going to talk about sales. We love it. I think it's just in our blood. It I is. I don't think you could take sales out of our DNA. And capital raising is a version of sales, which I love as well. So we're just going to go down a series of questions at any time. If you have a question, you want to talk to Chris personally, get to know her, hire her, go to asklaurel.com. Give us your name, your phone number, your email, and you will be directed straight over to her. She's got a whole bunch of goodies, but you got to talk to her to get them. So let's start with the most important question. What's the most important part of sales? Follow up. Over and over and over again, um, people say, well, what, why do I do this? And why aren't I getting any business? And I go, well, did you call your past customers? No. Did you call the people who said to follow up with them in December? No. So I really believe and I get all my business because of follow up because this is a statistics. 80% of business owners or sales reps never follow up after the first interaction. And then 80% of people don't make a decision till the fifth to the 12th interaction. So if you don't follow up after the first time, or I don't follow up, or you don't follow up, it's never going to happen. So our statistics of following up just one time increases the ability to get the order. So why do you think people don't follow up? Because I think they think people say no. I was doing something the other day, and I was talking to a group of people, and they said, oh, it's the food bank in 
Auburn, California. So it's huge food bank. I mean, all of Placer County. And she got up and she said, well, you guys all think we're kind of stuck up and we're kind of snobbish at the food bank. And then she said, but we're not. We just don't know who else to talk to. And we get uncomfortable talking to people we don't know. So we always go back to the same people and ask them for money over and over and over again. I'm like, they have a sales problem. (laughs) And they're the biggest food bank in Northern California. Well, and don't you find also, I found this with women especially, is I don't want to bother them. I don't want to bother them. I've called them twice or three times. They'll and here's my almost <laughs> yeah. disgusted conversation with women when they say, "Well, men do it too, but women do it a lot." If they know what I do, I mean, they know they'll they'll call, they'll call me call whatever. Me. Oh, that drive you crazy. So, what would you tell to those people? A, you're not bothering them. I call sales and marketing the ultimate stocking, and if you're really a great stalker, you're going to make a lot of money. So what would you tell those people that have that huge lie and excuse? So first off, I would ask yourself, have you ever been called a stalker or a voyeur or whatever? (laughs) Because most people never have. And it's not something you would do and you would never step over the line. And so when you call people and you have a reason to call them, because you want to check in with them, because you want to find out if they were able to get the project off the ground or whatever mm-hmm. that is, then calling them is you're serving them. If they don't do business with you, they don't buy your widget, they don't buy your service, then they probably have done nothing. And they're buying somebody else's crap. Right. Sorry, I got to say it like that. So talk about some follow-up strategies. What kind of system? I don't care if it's a spreadsheet, it's a little note card, it's a calendar. How would you follow up in a gracious, classy, effective way? So I'll give you a great example. So we're working with a bunch of clients that are care managers and they're nurses, geriatric professionals, and they're working with elder folks to keep them in their homes. Their charge is $75 to $250 an hour, so they're making great money. Their referral sources or the people that they get most of their business from are elder care attorneys, trust attorneys, and assisted living. So they'll go out and they'll visit all the elder care attorneys, and they'll visit them one time. And they go out to visit them and say, elder care attorney, here I am. Here's all my goods and services. You should hire me or you should tell your clients about me. And then what happens is the elder care attorney, because they're not in that business, they completely forget about it and they do no follow up. They're like, I don't know why I went out and visited six of them six months ago and they've never called me. So what we say is that every three weeks, for sure, you should drop something off, visit them, call them do something to get them activated and get them to call you or you call them. And what do you think about direct mail, texting, like stalking them on Facebook? (laughs) Like what are the strategies that people can use to follow up that feel right and actually are effective? Once you identify a prospect, the best way to get to know them is find them on LinkedIn, find them on Facebook, have a conversation with them, say, oh, you know, whatever the product or service you're selling, and this would be interesting for you. It's kind of dependent on whatever your product or service is, but Facebook, direct mail, sending them a letter, a handwritten envelope with a sticky note on an article that you saw that's appropriate for them is a great way to follow up. There's lots of ways to follow up. And the question is just don't stop following up, follow up until they tell you no. I love it when people say no. They say no, not now, or no, never. And it's like, okay, well, if you're saying no, never, thank you so much for not wasting your time and not wasting my time. And Laurel, how many people have said no, never? I mean, it's not very many. 
Like the number of people that say no, never, it's not very many, but oftentimes they'll say no, not now. And I love it when they say no, not now, because then I say, great, when should we follow up? And I make a date right in that moment of when we're going to follow up. So talk about why you get excited about this word. No, because I actually do this great thing, you know, my three day, which I think, you know, is I have people continue to practice their sales scripts and tell 10 people, tell them no, because I think it's critical that. You get used to now. And get used to now. Because I just like, hmm, that just means not now is how I put it. Right. And so oftentimes when you're doing no, not now or no, never, and they say no, not now, this is what I love is they say, follow up with me after football season, follow up with me after the spring or follow up with me after the first of the year. I say, great. What's a great day for you? And they say Thursday. I say, great. Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning. They say Thursday morning. So I call them up on Thursday morning whenever we've made the appointment. And most of the time when I call them up, they say, I can't believe you're actually calling me. I'm like, why would I not call you? You told me to call you. So no, not now is very effective. And I think that most people get most of their business from no, not now and taking advantage of the follow-up. So how do you get people past the no rejection? Because no, not now is a stronger position, but there's a lot of people who are like, no, and then they take it all personally, especially, you know, I think we're women because we can kind of be intense with them about chop, chop, you know, let's go. So there's a lot of people who have their little feelings hurt. Oh, they don't like, you know, they take a very personal about it now. So how do you get them past that? Well, I think it's it goes all the way down to your big why. If your big why isn't clear enough and you're not doing it for a specific reason, then you can get your feelings hurt all day long. Then you might as well go get a job. <laughs> That's how I look at it. You know, it's it's true. It's like if my why is big enough and and I know where I'm going and why I'm going there and all those pieces, and I know that my products and services are better than everybody else's out there that who are talking to people, then my consequence for not asking the big question, not getting to the no, not now, or no, never, is super huge because... Might as well go get a job. So talk about the why. How do you figure out your why? I love the big why question because I've been working on it a lot with our team because what I realize is, is that if you don't know what your big why is, like what gets you out of bed in the morning and why you do it. So here's my big why. I'll share that. So there's 70,000 kids in the state of California who don't have a forever home. And I want to impact that. And just like Oprah Winfrey or just like you with... The what's the group up there that you life school life leap, school and I yeah do leap. I and, do so I do too and then all parents that ever walk through these doors bring their kids for free exactly so there's a big why to educate those kids on yep. the money rules or yep. educate those kids on doing it differently and so the big why the consequence is so high if I don't do it then I don't get my big why and seventy thousand kids in the state of California go unhandled through the system because nobody took care of them. So I think getting clear on your big why, it's like, that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. That's why you do what you do. And that's why you make that one more call in the day. So how do you know how many calls to make? I think that's a great question. So here's what I know is business owners all the time say, well, I've made 20 calls. No. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, so in the know. hour? Yeah, so my rules are you don't even sit in my chair in my office unless you're doing 100. Yeah. 100 a day for someone who's just a dialer. Yeah, then that's all that they do. So in your product funnel or in your service funnel, 
there's certain amount of folks that have to get marketed to and go through the top part of your funnel. Most business owners that I talk to, they're like, well, I got four people or I got six people. Well, six people is not enough to get to your first product, definitely not enough to get to your linchpin product, and definitely not enough to become part of your community. So understanding how many people you need at the top part of your funnel and how many people follow through and follow through and follow through. And what I've learned is that I think it's about a hundred people into the top part of your funnel in order to make two or three productive sales. At the bottom of your funnel. At the bottom of your and funnel. And how many levels are you thinking should be in a funnel? Three or four. No, me too. It's easy. Well, it's easy. And, and once you know the number, that's why you have to know the number. And some people will say, well, I have no idea how many people. Well, how many people do you talk to before you get one sale? And my best question, I think, is ask yourself this question. How many brand new people did you talk to last week? And people go, well, I went to a networking event. Well, I sent out three emails. 98% of emails go unread. 98% of emails go unread. So that is not a good use of your time. And most people who network, they go and chit chat with their friends. They don't network. They're just there to have a chat. Sure, they're there to have a chat. So let's go a whole different direction. Let's talk about sales scripting. Because you're saying, let's just have a conversation, just call them. How do they know what to say? Like, what are the things you should say on a call? What should you not say on a call? How do you have a productive call? Well, there's four parts in a sales process. That's what I use. And the first part in the sales process is always ask the questions with open-ended sentences. So you always start with how or what, never start with why, and you always lead the conversation. It's like a dance going back and forth and back and forth. But you're clearly the leader of the dance. But you're clearly Directing the, the fact we're going to tango or we're going to country, but we're going my way. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're going my now. way today. And then uh, I think the first part of, well, not I think, the first part of the sales conversation is you asking them some situational questions. You've all been at a networking event where somebody walks up to you and they say, I want to sell you my widget and you should talk about my widget and you should buy my widget and it'll make you have less wrinkles. It's like, oh my gosh, you never even asked me what my name was. Never even asked if I care. So situational. And thanks for assuming I have right yeah. <laughs> Situational questions, open-ended, begin with how or what. The second part is figuring out what their problem is. So understanding what their problem is in the same fashion. So asking them open-ended questions that begin with how or what and figuring out what the problem is. It always reminds me of the CEO that bought over $100,000 of the business from us the last three years. And one day I walked into his office and I go, Eric, what's up? And he goes, we need to talk. And he walks around me and closes the door and he goes, I lose sleep over the amount of referrals we get or we don't get. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we run a $10 million company and we get all of our business from referrals, but I have no idea when I get them. So his problem wasn't that he wasn't getting business. His problem is that he was losing sleep over it. His wife was about ready to kill him. So understanding what his problem was, then I could put something together, right, to answer his problem, answer his statement. And then we increase their revenue by two times their revenue in three years. That's awesome. So I think situational questions, figure out what the problem is, ask them if they're willing to fix the problem, they're willing to fix it, and then say, if I could, would you? The magic question at the end of the conversation I'll is, if I could, would you? So what does that mean? If I could, would you? It works every time. It works in every like industry. Proposal. It's good. It's really if good. I could. <laughs> so Laura Langmeyer, if I could show you a way, <laughs> would you be willing to spend a half an hour with me over and I think a lot of times people, 
keep their subject matter expert hat on. So a lot of the business owners inside the Live Out Loud community that we meet, a lot of times they're subject matter experts. They're really good at what they do. And so what they do is they want to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And I think the most important thing is to take off your subject matter expert hat, put on your business owner hat and talk about it from a sales perspective. Talk about it from a, if I could do this, would you be willing to do this? And there's steps in a sales cycle. So it's not like a, if I could show you the perfect product, would you be willing to buy it? It might be, if I could do this, would you sit down and review a proposal, Laura Langmeyer? It might be, if I could show you how to increase the number of customers that don't come referrals, would you talk to me? So it's always an even exchange of information. So what I would challenge you to do, can I make a challenge to them? Absolutely. So I would go out and ask five people if I could, would you? It always reminds me, um, I was at a speaking event and I challenged them to an if I could, would you? And so the next well, day... some more examples of that. Well, I will. If I could, yeah. Well, so, so one of the examples, you can just practice it with your family. So this woman goes to her 17-year-old son and she says, if I could drive you to your girlfriend's house, would you be willing to take out the garbage? And he said, no. And she goes, it doesn't work. And I go, well, wait a second does he have a driver's license? And she says, yes. And I go, well, he didn't need a ride. He could drive himself. So he didn't have to take out the garbage. So you have to make sure that when you say, if I could, it's really something that matters to them. And you have to make sure that whatever they the would do, do yeah, <laughs> that they can't do it. So you could say, um, if I could double your revenue, would you be willing to sit Hire down? Me. Yeah. Would you be well, willing to hire me? Yeah. No, no, no. I think that's fine. <laughs> it's just that I think that if I could, would you can be used throughout the sales cycle because not everybody's going to be ready. Like I'm at a networking event. I meet somebody. The first if I could might be if I could show you a way where you can have more revenue. Would you be willing to talk to me? Would you be willing to sit down for half an hour outside of this networking event and talk to me? The next step might be when I'm having a meeting with them and I'm spending the hour, you say, if I could show you how you can increase revenue by the end of this quarter, would you be willing to sign a proposal with me or review a proposal? It works every time, all the time. So let's switch gears to online sales. So there's a threshold, and in my space it's around $1,000, where you can kind of get there through funnels, Facebook ads, sales conversion, good copy. How do you sell online? I think... It's so cute when people say, I have an online store and actually I'm selling online actually what they'll say. And they don't even have an ability to take anything. So let's talk about online sales. How are they really made? So this is what cracks me up is that I don't think very many people make their lifetime money on online sales. Including online trainers. Including online trainers. Why are they out having seminars if they're <laughs> yeah. so damn good online? Yeah. God, crazy, crazy. I know. Well, all and right. you can think of all sorts of different, you know, Alex Mendozian, who we love to pieces. He's a good guy, whatever. But he didn't make his fortune on online sales. He made his fortune speaking. Ali Brown did not make her fortune online sales because people will often say, well, how about Alex Mendozian? Or how about Ali Brown? Or how about, how about, how about... It's like, just like you, Live Out Loud doesn't make all their money from online sales. You work harder than anyone I know. You go out, you talk to people, you have workshops, seminars all over the country, all over the world. world. And that's why... 
people buy. People buy from people. They don't buy from online sales. And yes, can you sell a $97 product online? Absolutely. I'll tell you a new Facebook strategy that we've been using that's working super well. So Facebook's kind of interesting and it's going through some changes. And for people who say, well, I'm going to run Facebook ads and I'm going to make a lot of money on Facebook ads. I think that's sort of not working very well most of the time. And you have to be very sophisticated and really have somebody who knows what they're doing. But here's what's working is going on to Facebook once a week and posting a blog. So lots of people are posting their blog, sending out an email to their email list and directing people back to their website. I don't think that's working. So why not post your blog on Facebook and say, read more, click to read more and have the click to read more go to the Facebook. And then once a week, give them a tool, give them some kind of PDF that they have to put their name, Chris, at Chris at Wide Awake Business, put their email address and click on that. So now they're in your database and they received a tool. And then to augment that is do a little Facebook Live. And Facebook Live, people were laughing there because I did a Facebook Live this week and they said, well, how come it's so short? Less than a minute long, period. Any longer than a minute? Nobody, you can- 28 minutes just recently with Weldon on the new tax reform and went off the charts. Like our podcast went viral. I had more hits because it was damn important. It was It was really important. And it was he and I sitting right here in the screen. And room, it was a hot topic. And it was hot, hot, hot. And people don't know how to read the code. So that one was 28 minutes. But I'm with you. I do Lunch with the Roll every Tuesday. We go live every Tuesday, even if I look like this in my little jammy or ski clothes. And I have a one minute to a 28 minute. That was the longest one. My team's like, get off. I'm like, are you kidding? More and more people are joining because they were going like sharing check, it with their yeah, friends. Like, check this out. Oh my God. Somebody finally understands the damn tax code. So really it's about getting them off of, which we've been saying, get them out of the social channels into your database. Right. I think that's always the case. People will tell me all the time, well, I have 15,000 people on my Facebook page. I'm like, yeah, great. That's nice. It doesn't really help. You have to get them to move. And here's what I think is interesting. Like the little strategy that I just gave you, we have it working in a couple of different business centers and it's working super well. So once a week, and I'm just going to say this again, like clockwork, 10 o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock lunch or whatever that timing is, that you do some sort of podcast, Facebook live or a blog. And then once a week at the exact same time, you put some sort of little tool in there. Now, what's interesting is, is that those people share those tools and they go all around. And so what people say was that I got so many people. So we just activated this because we're cobbler's children. Cobbler's children has no shoes. (laughs) So we just activated this in our database or our Facebook page last week. And we got 17 people very quick. We have a very small following on Facebook because we haven't really done it. We had 17 people log into, yeah, Yeah. go get our tools. And so um, we have another gal. She's added 15,000 people to her database by just having people go get the tools. Now they're in my database. Now I can do something with them. I have permission to market to them and I can do it all day long. That's awesome. So we are now beginning of 2018, and I love how people set resolutions. I want to make more money. I'm going to lose more weight. And my challenge on the podcast and all the time is the clock's ticking, and have you made any more money? Is there anything else? So what advice, you know, we've clocked down a month already. What advice would you give folks that are listening to get off their rear and get serious? Because this year, my word to all of them is integrity. Stop lying to yourself. You say you want to make money, do nothing that looks like it. 
I know it's intense. <laughs> I know, Christian guy, you're like, like I'm uh... just so intense. But you know what? I, at some point, I think that I, we care more about it than they care. Like, it's nice to just say, hey, I want to make more money. Well, then do something that looks like it. Do something that performs to a result that you say you want. And so how much more money? What? So what would you sell folks? Because sales so, is where the money's made. So I love that whole piece about, you know, do it now, do it because you're going to make more sales, et cetera. So I would challenge a second challenge. I would go back over my last two weeks Print out your calendars and then take a highlighter and go through there and highlight everything in orange that was personal time. Highlight everything in green that was revenue producing. This assumes people have calendars. Let's hope they have calendars. You (laughs) You know, I, I think it's kind of that way. It's like either get off and go do it or go get a job. It it really is that cut and dry. So get in integrity to what you want. That's my new word. Yeah, get into integrity. integrity. But I think figuring out where you're spending your time because people waste a ton of time. If you're spending hours and hours on Facebook, stop because it's not bringing you any revenue. If you don't have a written down strategy and have some team to help you implement it, it's not going to work. Ever. Ever. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. And I think having a written down plan I'm going to make X amount of calls. So we always talk about the power hour and the power 100. So every day you have blocked out in your calendar at least one hour. It's two hours. Kind of depends on what you're doing, but at least one hour every day where you actually are making calls. And then you don't go into that power hour unless you have a list of people to call. We have a client who is a live out loud client and she was trying to start a new business and quit the hospital. And she said, I would go out to my car at lunchtime and do my power hour. And she goes, the first time I did my power hour, I didn't have any people to call. What was she going to do, right? She was going to call people. She didn't have anybody to call. She didn't have a list. I go, what did you do? She goes, I sat there for one hour because it will never happen again. And so that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And so now she has her own business. She does $40,000 a month and she's a little rock star because. Oh, look at her. Yeah. She activated the power hour. As needed. So last word, power hour, calendar. If I could, could, would you? you, I get teased all the time because they're like, Chris always asks for the credit card. And I'm like, well, if somebody's saying almost yes, and I'm not asking for the credit card, you have no idea why they're going to say no. Ask them for the credit card, have them put the money where their mouth is, and then they'll come back with an objection. And now you can answer it. And then you go back again and say, okay, did I answer that question? Yes. Do you have any other questions? Well, I can't think of any. Great. Give me your credit card. <laughs> I mean, it really gets down to... And you have to be really careful because, you know, with women, sometimes you'll say, give me your card and they'll give you a business card. I'll say, that's the wrong card. <laughs> the wrong card. <laughs> the one with the numbers on it, the expiration date. So Chris, it's been great to have you. Thank you. It's and, been fun uh, to be here. I know. It's always fun. So uh, you, again, are with uh, Laurel's Real Money Talks. We talk about money all the time. I don't think anybody's been properly taught about money. Um, I don't care if you are running most of the businesses around town, they make it up. Entrepreneurs kind of make it up with each other. So be here to learn a lot more. And if you have questions, you want to talk to Chris, go to asklaurel.com. And uh, put in your name, your phone number, your email. You can ask a question. You can make a request. And uh, we'll be back every week on Laurel's Real Money Talks. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, 
The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit laurelsrealmoneytalks.com for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth-building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit laurelsrealmoneytalks.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.